preaching on the uh, subject of uh, I am a church member. We looked at that book and we discovered what it takes to be a, a good church member. And uh, I know it was a good study for me and I hope it was for you. I want to kind of pick up where I left off last week because we, we talked about commitment last week. And, and I posed the question to you, why in the world do you think that after God saved you, he didn't just zap you to heaven and get you out of the mess that we're in here on this earth? Uh, the reason he left you here is for you to serve him and to tell other people about him and to be his minister on this earth. And so that's where I want to pick up and, and I want to talk to you about today. What on earth am I here for? If you were to go out and ask that question to the average Joe on the street, uh, they would have absolutely no idea. You know, they, they don't, people don't know why they're on planet earth. Uh, you grow up, you go to school. You get a job, you get married, you make money, you retire, you die. <laughs> yeah, Is that it? Is that all there is to life? I mean, really, what on earth am I here for? Well, the Bible makes it very clear that you're not here by accident. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Even before you were born, God had planned out your entire life of what you were going to do. He has a purpose for you. And here's the good deal. You can choose that plan. You can get into God's plan. If you do choose God's plan, I guarantee you, you will have a fulfilled life. You will have joy unspeakable, full of glory. There will be peace in your life that the world does not have if you choose God's plan. Or, you know what? You can choose to get outside of God's plan. That's why I like who we are. We are free will Baptist. Okay? God doesn't force it on us. He gives us a chance. And so you get to decide. And I pray to die today that you would decide and choose to take God's plan. Ephesians 2.10 is a verse I read last week. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, God created us to do good works. Uh, that word in the Bible simply means ministry or service. Good works means ministry. It means service. Ministry is not just something that ministers do or preachers do. The Bible says that we are all called to ministry. If you're here and you're a believer, you have been called into Christian service. You've been called into ministry. It simply means that we're to do good works. We are to serve God and we are to serve others. God planned each of us to do this. And if you're not doing God's plan, you're out of His will. And you need to get inside of His will. There's an amazing story in Matthew chapter 25 I'd like to share with you today, okay? Matthew chapter 25 is the parable of the talents. It's kind of a lengthy passage of Scripture from verse 14 through verse 30. I usually don't read that many verses on a Sunday morning because I, I understand our attention span. <laughs> it's not, but hang with me here, all right? Read the story with me because it's, it's an awesome, marvelous story that Jesus told. Matthew 25 verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. 
Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and he made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two talents went and gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents with him, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there is what was yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you know that I reap where I have not sown, and I gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away." And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Heavenly Father, I pray a blessing on the reading of your word. Uh, Would you speak it into our hearts? This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In this amazing story of Matthew chapter 5, I find that Jesus gives us seven life principles. And if you want to understand what you're here for and what you are to be doing with your life, you need to understand these seven principles that Jesus gives. Now, I generally don't have seven points, do I? So that means you're going to stay here a long time today. No, that means I'm going to talk a little quicker. So you listen up, all right? Here's the first principle that Jesus gives. It's the principle of ownership. Everything I have belongs to God. Everything you have belongs to God. Really, we don't own anything. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. We just get to use it for 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years, and then we're going to pass it on to somebody else. Now, you've lived your whole life thinking that your kids are going to get what you're going to pass on to them. Probably not. Imagine it's going to be the government, but that's totally different. We won't go there, all right? Really, what, what we're kind of on is, is this, this, this rental plan, all right? That's what it is. It's kind of a rental plan. God is allowing us to use His stuff while we're here. How do I know that? Well, I, I tell you, I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. Have you? Have you? 
It doesn't work that way. You didn't bring anything into this world, and guess what? You're not going to take anything out of this world. You just get to use the stuff that you have while you're here. None of it really belongs to you. Who does it belong to? It's God's. And God has entrusted us with His property. And that's really the theme of this story in Matthew chapter 25. Ownership. God owns it all. The second principle is allocation. God has given some stuff to me to use for Him. God has given me some talents. That's the principle of allocation. The word talent comes from this story. In fact, the verse says, To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, and to another one talent, each according to their ability. It used to be the, the word talent simply meant money. Literally, it was a weight, all right? The, the word talent means a weight or a, the sum of a weight of an amount of money, generally in silver or in gold. Now, if you study this out, you'll find that no one really agrees on exactly how much money a talent was worth. Uh, most scholars believe that one talent was worth the working wages of a day laborer over a 20-year time period, okay? So you take somebody who's making minimum wage and you add up their salary for 20 years and that equals one talent. So if that's what it is, it's, it's a pretty good sum of money, is it not? Yeah, <laughs> yeah come on. That's a lot of money. Uh, others believe a talent didn't equal that much money. It was the weight of maybe $1,000. But however much it was, we're finding out here that one servant is going to give five talents, another servant two talents, and then another servant one talent. The bottom line for us this morning and for you to understand is all of us in this room have been given something. God has given all of us talents, different amounts, but we all have talents. We all have different talents. Everybody gets something, but nobody gets the same thing, and all the amounts are different. And so the point is this. There are no non-talent people in this room. Okay? All of us have been given talents. Now, a, a, a talent, in, again, in this story is equivalent to money. All right? But in the bigger scheme of things and for our application today, I want you to understand that a talent given by God is really anything that God has entrusted to your care. Anything. It could be ability or strengths or skills. It could refer to your physical health or to your family or to your children or to the opportunities that God has given to you. It could be the business situations that He's brought into your life, your brains, your personality. It could be the simple fact that we were all born in America, the land and the home of the free. We have a free country that we live in. And yes, talents can refer to money, all right? But the point is, God has given you all kinds of stuff. In fact, the Bible says, we each have been given different gifts according to the grace that has been bestowed upon us. You don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. It's just a gift from God. God has allocated certain blessings to you. He's entrusted you with His stuff. That brings me to life principle number three. 
I'm calling it accountability. You see, God expects me to use my talents. In other words, God has made an investment in my life. And God expects a return on that investment. God wants me to make the most of whatever I've been given. Verse 19, After a long time the master of those servants returned, and he settled accounts with them. Now, this is a parable. It's a story. But it's also a parallel to the fact that one day, listen to me, one day we're all going to give an account to God for our life. One day God is going to do an audit on your life. And I guarantee you that is one audit you're not going to miss. Okay? You'll be there. And God is going to ask you several questions, but one question He's going to ask you is this. What did you do with all of the stuff I gave to you? It's going to be on the final test. God is going to ask us that. We need to be prepared to answer that question. Accountability. Principle number four, utilization. Utilization. For me to use what God has given to me. You see, it's wrong for me to bury what God gave me. This first guy goes out and takes the five talents that his master gave him, and he makes some pretty good investments. In fact, he doubles his master's money. He was given five. When the master gets back, he has ten. The second guy does the same thing. He, he wasn't given as much. He was given two talents, but he goes out, makes some wise investments, and you know what? When the master comes back, his money has doubled. He has made wise investments and doubled it. The third guy comes along, and he does zip. He does nothing. In fact, he goes into the backyard, digs a hole, puts it in a can, and buries it. He says, nothing ventured, nothing gained. He said, I'm going to play it cautious. I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to set on my talent and do nothing with it. I want you to notice the master's reaction to this in verse 26. His master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. Now I've researched this. I've done uh, word studies on, on what the master is saying here. And let me tell you, here's the master's ticked. That's what it means. The master's ticked. He's pretty upset. Now understand, this is a parable of God. God is the master. Right? And God is saying, if you don't use your talent that I've entrusted to you, if you just bury it or if you sit on it, that's going to tick me off. It's going to upset me. This third guy buried his talent and God said, you wicked and lazy servant. If you don't get anything else out of this message, I hope you get this. I cannot please God by just sitting on my talent. I can't please God just playing it safe in life. You see, God has given me some talents and God wants me to use those talents for Him. And in order to use them and invest them, guess what? I've got to take some risk. 
God wants me to take risk. Because you know what? That requires faith. And the Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I've got to exercise my faith. I've, I've got to take some risk. I can't just bury my talent in a can and hope that one day it's all going to work out and be okay. God says, no, you take it, you take that talent, and you step out on a branch, <laughs> so to speak, and you take risk to use what I've given you for my kingdom. So the principle of, principle of utilization is it's wrong for me to bury my talent that God has given me because God wants me to live by faith. Doing nothing with my talent is inexcusable. God would rather me try to serve Him and fail than do nothing. In other words, I would rather attempt to do something great and fail than do nothing at all and succeed. In fact, when I die, I want four words on my tombstone. At least he tried. <laughs> you know? At least he gave it a shot. I may not reach all the goals and all the dreams that I believe God has given to me for my life, but you know what? That's not the important thing. The important thing is I die trying. And I'm using what God has given me. God says it all belongs to me. And I'm entrusting it in your care for, what, 50, 60, 70 years? You're to use what I've given you, and one day you're going to give an account of whether you used it or not. And I am going to ask you the question, what did you do with what you were given? It's wrong to not use your talent, just to bury it. Just playing it safe won't work. Number five. That brings us to the principle of motivation. Okay? If we don't bury it, we've got to be motivated to use it. Now the question is, why do we play it safe? Why, why do we not take risk to invest what God has given to us? Why do we not use the talent that God has entrusted us with? The answer is real simple. It's right here in the passage. It's that four-letter word, fear. Fear keeps us... From taking those risks. Fear keeps me from using my talents. Verse 25. That wicked lazy servant said. I was afraid. And so I went out and hid. Your talent in the ground. Did you know that is Satan's favorite tactic to use in your life? You say. Oh I could never do that. I'm, I'm just not qualified to do that. I can't do that. I, I have a fear of failure. Remember when you as a kid, maybe in grade school, and the teacher would ask a question, and, and you thought you knew the answer, and you was about to raise your hand, but got about right here, and you put it back down? Because you were afraid if you did raise it, and she did call on you, and you did get it wrong, you would look. I'm not supposed to use the word stupid, so I'll use the word dumb. Huh? You're afraid you'd look dumb, so you didn't raise your hand. Well, in our adult life, it's, it's fear that keeps us from using our talent. You say, well, I failed in the past, so I could never try again. You know what? It, it doesn't matter where you've been. What matters is what direction are your feet planted right now. Be motivated to do what God has asked you to do. Use His talents for His kingdom. 
Peter and Judas were two disciples. Did you know that Peter and Judas both committed the same sin? Both of them denied Jesus Christ. One of them went out, got depressed, and committed suicide. The other went out, repented of it, and said, You know what? I'm going to start over. And he did. And just 50 days after Peter's biggest sin, God used him on the day of Pentecost to preach, and 3,000 people were saved, and the church was born on that day. 50 days after Peter's greatest failure, he has his greatest success because he kept on going. He didn't allow fear to cripple him. He was motivated to follow God. I've told you this story before, but boy, I love it uh, because it's a baseball story. Y'all, are y'all still hanging out in baseball? Don't you wish baseball? It'll be here before you know it. Yeah. Let's go back a few years. 1954 is the opening day of baseball season. The Braves were playing the Reds. Two rookies were in that game. It was their very first game. The first was a rookie by the name of Jim Greengrass. Jim got up to bat four times. And four times, he hit a double. He was four for four. All four of them were doubles. That means he hit the ball and he made it to second base. That's amazing for a rookie. Ken, that's pretty good. Four for four on your rookie debut. Jim Greengrass. The other guy, the other rookie, didn't do so good. He went 0 for 4. (laughs) That means he got up to bat four times, and four times he struck out. Hank Aaron got off to a slow start. (laughs) But you tell me, which of those two guys do you remember today? Well, it's the guy who got off to a slow start. You know what? He wasn't afraid to strike out, and he kept swinging. Never let the fear of striking out keep you from taking a swing. you got to keep going. You say, well, what will other people think? Don't worry about what other people will think. The Bible says the fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. Often we excuse ourselves by pointing to other people and saying, you know what, they're just more talented than I am. They've got all the ability and I don't have that. If I just had their ability, then I could do that. If I only had the education or the looks that they have, then you know what? I would serve God. No, you wouldn't. Because you're not using what He's already given you. The point is this. Just because I can't do the spectacular, that doesn't excuse me to do nothing. One day I'm going to stand before God and God is going to say to me, What did you do with your life, Will? What on earth did you think you were there for? I mean, I had a plan for you, son. I had some things for you to do. And it's called ministry. It's called serving God and serving people. You know what? I made you just perfect for the plan that I had in your life. You're saying, Well, you're a preacher. That doesn't matter. I'm a Christian. And if you're a Christian, God has a plan for you. Verse 24. The man who had received one talent came and said, Master, 
I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you hadn't sown and gathering where you hadn't scattered. And I was afraid. You know what this guy's doing? This guy's trying to, to make an excuse of not doing anything with his life by blaming the master. He says, it's your fault, God. It's your fault that you didn't give me ten talents. That you just gave me the one talent. And God says, well, you didn't use the one I gave you. In other words, blaming never works. If you play the blame game, all you are is being lame. That's the way you spell blame. Be lame. So blaming God and blaming other people don't work. You've got to be motivated to serve. That brings me to number six. The sixth life principle is application. And here's the application. Real simple. If I don't use it, I lose it. Say that with me. If I don't use it, I lose it. Verse 28. The master said, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. Now, if, if you're not a believer or a Christian, maybe even if you are a, a Christian living in the secular world we're living in today, you read that and you think, that doesn't, that doesn't seem fair. That's not fair. The guy only had one talent. And now you're taking it from the one who only had one talent and you're giving it to that, that guy over there that has ten talents? That's not fair. And, and honestly, if, if that was in a court of law today or in our government, they wouldn't do that. They would take the 10 from the one guy and give it to him. But, okay. That'll get you fired up, won't it? What's the point here? Here's the point. God has the right to take away anything that I don't use for Him. It, this is a universal law that you need to understand. If I don't use it, I'll lose it. This law is written into the very fabric of our being. It's in the fabric of our universe. If I don't use it, I lose it. If I refuse to exercise, guess what? I will lose muscle mass. <laughs> yeah, okay, enough said. If I refuse to think, my brain will go dull. If I refuse to practice my talent, it dries up. If I don't use it, I lose it. But did you know the converse is also true? If I do use it, I get more. And that's a universal law from God too. If I use what He has given to me for His kingdom, I receive more. So whatever you need more of, you start using what you have for the Lord and it will grow. Now you know I'm not a health and wealth preacher, but this is, this is biblical. This is true. Do you need more time? Well, start using the time that you have for God and you will watch it grow. Do you need more energy? You start using your energy for the Lord and it will grow. Do you need more intelligence? Then you use what little intelligence you have for the Lord and it will grow. It's a principle. Use it or lose it. And that brings me to number what? Boy, we're here. 
All right? And we didn't get lost along the way. Here we are, number seven. It's the life principle of compensation. If I use my talent for God, God is going to reward me. God is going to compensate me. Verse 23, his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now, just look with me for a moment of these rewards that could be yours. First of all, there is affirmation. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Let me step over here and ask you. How many of you enjoy a good, heartfelt compliment? Yeah. Come on. All of you do. Will Rogers said he could live a month on one. Yeah. Honestly, it's, it's the way God made us. We, you know, wh whatever you call it, compliment, being struck, we, we all enjoy that. And we say we don't, you know, I mean, you know, uh, you know uh, but we really do enjoy it. it. Makes us feel good when it's heartfelt and true, doesn't it? Can you imagine one moment getting to heaven and the God of the universe puts his arm around you says, good job. Let me tell you something. I'm living for that. I'm living for the day when God looks at me. He puts his arm around me and says, Will, son, let me tell you, you know, I didn't entrust you with a whole lot. You know, just a dumb old boy from West Texas. But what little I gave you, you were faithful with. And son, I just want you to know, it's a good job. Well done. I'm proud of you. What, what praise. What acclamation to be, to be told that from the God of the universe. Well done. That's, that's something worth living for, man. To have that kind of affirmation placed on your life. And you know what? It, it's just not that day. You can live every day with that affirmation of God on your life. You just do what's right. You live according to his word. You use what he gives you every day for his kingdom. And you will have a peace that passes all understanding. A joy this world doesn't know. The affirmation of God Almighty. Second reward is you get promoted. He says, you've been faithful with a few things. I want to put you in charge of many things. You've been given a little bit of responsibility. I'm going to give you more responsibility. You've used what I have given to you. You know what? I'm going to give you more. I'm promoting you. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? You know, a lot of times we sit back and we gripe and complain. Why ain't God blessing me? We look at other people and say, God's blessing them. Why ain't God blessing me? You know? Could, it could be that you just haven't been faithful with what he's given you. Why, what, why in the world is God going to give you more if you're not faithful with what he's given to you? You know? Honestly, really, think about it. 
I can, I can understand this in, in terms of who I am and where I am. I told the first service, when, when I first started preaching, I was in Fort Worth, Texas, at a little church, Western Hills. There were 10 of us. I had a congregation of 10. Really, there were eight because the other two were Angie and I. She didn't need preaching and I didn't listen to myself. So there were eight. You know what? If, if I had not been faithful 30 years ago to do what God called me to do, even when there were just eight people out there, to study and prepare and preach Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. On Wednesday night, we were, it would be good to have five there. Big crowd came for Sunday morning. Doubled our attendance to ten. You don't think it's hard to get motivated to preach? Well, they needed it, though. I think it's a... And and I'm not tooting my own horn, but let me tell you, I worked just as hard 30 years ago to preach to those 10 people as I do to preach to you today. But had I not been faithful 30 years ago, do you ever think in the wildest imagination that you have that I would be here today? No way! There's no way! You say, well, you're a preacher, that applies to you. No, it applies to all of us. If you're not faithful doing what God has called you to do with what God has given you to do it with, why in the world is God going to bless you with more? But if you are faithful, you get promoted. He gives you more. And then there's celebration. He said, enter into the joy of your Lord or come and share your master's happiness. In other words, it's party time. Come to heaven and celebrate. I mean, you, you were faithful on earth with the little I gave you to be in charge with. Here's how, here's how I'm going to pay you, God says. Heaven for all eternity. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The, the fact is, and this is a fact, the happiest people in the world are those who are giving their lives for the purpose that God made them. That's it. If you're just doing what God has called you to do, you're the happiest person. God made you for a ministry. God has a ministry for you that is based on who you are. And all of us put together are a part of the family of God. It's like the jigsaw puzzle I talked about last week. You're important to this body. All of us using the gifts and talents that God has given to us collectively as the body of Christ we are able to minister effectively. So let me ask you a very serious question. Here's the pretest before the final examination. One day God is going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? God is going to do an audit on your life one day. What's the bottom line going to show? When he says, what did you do with the talent I gave you? Think about it. What are you going to say? Well, you know, I made a lot of money, had a big house, had a lot of fun, developed a reputation amongst the community, gave to United Way. (laughs) Maybe those are good things, but you know what? Wrong answer. Wrong answer. 
God's going to look you straight in the eye and he's going to say, did it ever occur to you that I might have given you your talent, your family, your freedom, your ability, all the things that I've given to you that I meant for you to just not use it selfishly on your own self? Did it ever occur to you that maybe I made you for a purpose that is, that is greater than just retiring? <laughs> Did it ever occur to you that maybe I wanted to use you to bless other people? I don't know. As a pastor and as your friend, I, I sometimes shudder to think of some of the excuses that we're going to have to give God, as we stand before the Savior who has pierced hands and try to explain to him why we did not use the talents that he gave us. So, this is what it comes down to you. If you haven't committed your life to Jesus Christ, that's where it starts. Giving him your life. As Angie quoted John 3.16... God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son so that your sins could be forgiven and so that you could have everlasting life. It's his gift. Have you received that gift? That's where it begins, committing your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. To say, Jesus Christ, I want you to be in my life and I want your plan for my life. I understand you have a purpose for me and that's what I want. I want to live out your purpose. And if you've done that, then you need to find a church family. That's what we've been talking about for the past six weeks, to find a church family, a place where you can get plugged into and serve the Lord from and be used in His kingdom. Whether it's Kavanaugh Church or some other place, every one of you as a believer, you need a church home, a place to plug in. And then once you've been saved and you get you a church, you need to get serious about serving the Lord. God has given you everything you have, everything you have, to be used for His praise, honor, and glory. Maybe you've never thought of it like that, you know. Maybe today could be the beginning of a great trek with God. Maybe today you could bring all the stuff that you have, not physically, but at least bring it spiritually and mentally, down to the altar and say, Lord, I know that you've given me all this stuff, and you know what, Lord, today I'm going to give it back to you. I understand the principle of ownership. It's not mine. It's yours. And so, Lord, I give it to you, lock, stock, and barrel. Whatever you want to do with the stuff you've entrusted to me, perfectly fine, Lord. It's yours. Help me to be a willing servant. Would you do that today? Would you? I guarantee you the benefit far outweighs any expense that's going to be on your part. God will bless you. So, Heavenly Father.